In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our Gen Con online seminar coverage. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gen Con online on twitch.tv slash official Paizo. This is the Ask the Experts Pathfinder Q&A panel. My name is Liz Liddell. I'm a designer here at Paizo working on the Pathfinder RPG. And uh, we'll uh, get started here with a group of introductions to let us know uh, who you're talking to. And then we'll be taking a look today at the uh, Pathfinder RPG, what we've done in the last year with the second edition of the game, uh, what we're doing right now with the books that are coming out at Gen Con, and what we've got planned coming up. Uh, so we'll give you all the exciting news uh, in the works for this game. Uh, let's get started with some uh, introductions first, though. Uh, Logan, do you want to take it away? Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Logan Bonner. I'm the Pathfinder lead designer, which means I look over kind of the general rules ecosphere of uh, what's going on with Pathfinder 2nd Edition specifically. And Mark? I'm Mark Seifter. I'm the design manager, which means I help manage the processes for design while also doing lots of design. And last but not least, Jason. Hey there, everybody. I'm Jason Bullman. I'm the director of game design at Paizo. I, I mostly just sit in my office these days and scribble madly on a whiteboard. <laughs> we <laughs> or, pretend or we rather, still have offices. Or rather, I used to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as I said, I'm Liz Liddell. I'm the newest member of the design team, and I'll be moderating our panel today. Uh, so... Holy whoa, everybody, what a year it has been. One year ago at Gen Con, we launched the second edition of the Pathfinder role-playing game. Can we get our first slide here and take a look at this cover of this book that I hope you have all seen? Uh, we're really excited about it. Uh, it has been a heck of a year. Uh, Jason, you want to talk a little bit about the books we launched last year and how it's going? Uh, yeah, sure. So, you know, here we are. Uh, Pathfinder second edition is now one year old. Uh, that's adorable. Uh, I think it gets a nice blankie now and, uh, you know, some, cake. some onesies and a, and a birthday cake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, this game, uh, was, you know, several years worth of, of really dedicated effort by not only this team, but everyone at Paizo, uh, to kind of re-envision and reimagine what the Pathfinder role-playing game could even be. Uh, you know, the, the game, uh, was 10 years old at that point in time, first edition was, and it had begun to show its age. There were things that we knew we wanted to fix, things that we knew there had to be a better way to do it. Uh, that, that's not to say first edition isn't a great game. We still love it. Uh, but it had become time for us to explore, you know, kind of strange new worlds. And uh, second edition really gave us a chance to do that. And, and Liz, I can't see the slides, so you're going to have to advance oh, yeah. it whenever, whenever you feel like it. <laughs> no worries. I have, I have real ultimate power over the slides here. Yeah, no, here. by all means. <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of where we've been. Last year, we relaunched the core rulebook and the first bestiary. And, uh, and then we've been, we have not slowed down since then. It has been a heck of a year. Uh, so one of the next books we came out with uh, hot on the heels of the launch of the game was the Game Mastery Guide. Uh, if we can go to the next slide. In the true tradition of putting rune lords on the covers of our game mastery guides, um, we have an updated cover here. Uh, this is it, it the... was just a one-off. Now it's a tradition. Now it's a tradition, yeah, right? Now, so now it's, it's going to stay. We, have, we can it. only do seven more editions, guys. What? One is a point, <laughs> two is a line. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right. So the game mastery guide is the set is the uh, the third of what we envision is a four book foundation for this game. Um, this is the book for the game master to really get into all of the rules options and to give you all of the tools that you need to run whatever campaign you're imagining in the Pathfinder second edition rules set. And uh, it's kind of a fun project for me because it was happening right as I was transitioning into the design team. Uh, so it's, uh, I have worked on this book as a freelancer, as an editor, and as a designer. So I've kind of had my hands in every stage of the sausage. And we, it's a We should have had you do some drawings. Uh, no, you shouldn't have. <laughs> I did Steven's some copy fitting. That's book, as close so. as it's going to get. Yeah. That's uh, but it's it. This book is just absolutely jam packed with tools. Uh, one of the, the the most awesome pieces that we use all the time are, of course, the monster creation rules. Uh, but there's also rules for creating hazards, uh, an entire suite of NPCs for you to drop into your game, a lot of variant rules for you to sort of mix it up and change the flavor of your game to fit the campaign that you've got in mind. And that book is is out. Uh, it is widely available, and if you haven't checked it out, um, you should you should pick it up. It's a uh, it's a, a really it's a really good addition to the sort of core foundation of this game. Hot on the heels of the game mastery guide because we are merciless in our in our schedule here. Um, if we can move to the next slide, we have already released the second bestiary volume. And let's take a look here, Mark. Did you? Uh, it seems like you've worked on this. Do you want to take it away? Uh, how about Logan? <laughs> Logan, you're talking uh, about I, I the think we're looking at a, a slightly different outline from each other, Liz. It happens. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, so, Bestiary Two kind of uh, provides. Um, Bestiary One was like a real exercise in how much can we fit in this one book uh, without killing ourselves getting it out. Um, so, Bestiary Two kind of takes like the remaining ones that didn't quite make the cut in Bestiary One. It also adds a whole lot of like brand new, really cool monsters. Um, it has a, a whole bunch of Fae in it. So if you like Fae, it's a great book for that. We find every bestiary tends to end up having like a sub theme or two of a certain type of monster that appears in it a lot. And uh, Fae are kind of the big one for bestiary too. So it's kind of like bestiary one, just a whole pile of monsters for you to use. Awesome. And uh, Logan, we're going to stick with you for a... Nope, I'm, I'm trying to do it wrong again. Uh, Mark, can I hand it back to you? Um to talk about the book that's coming out right now. If we can go to our next slide, of course, this is the darling uh, that we're all talking about. This is the book that just came out two days ago, The Advanced it's Pathfinder's Player's first, Guide. first birthday present. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Happy birthday. Have more rules. <laughs> so like Liz was saying, the there's four table legs that make up the edition, the core rule book, the bestiary, um, or maybe possible multiple bestiaries, the Game Mastery Guide, and the Advanced Player's Guide is the fourth leg of that table the foundation of the game and the way the advanced players guide works it's right in the name all sorts of player options to advance your game and just really open up the possibilities for what kind of characters you can build so a lot of the the top liners are going to be the new ancestries the cat folk the kobold the the orcs the rat folk and the tengu Plus the versatile heritages, Asimar, Tiefling, Duskwalker, Changeling, and Dompier. The new classes, the Investigator, the Swashbuckler, the Oracle, and the Witch. Those are like the big things, but that doesn't, uh, there's also 42 archetypes you can take with your character to just mix and match throughout so not your all at once. character's <laughs> time. And um, 
Yeah, not all at once, please. What's what's the most you could get? I think you could get three, what, three on a character. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, you could get well, more you, than technically that. four, but uh, oh, I think you could, you could probably three, get um, maybe up to probably not quite ten. Um, you take an investigator or a rogue, then you take a dedication that has only skill, uh, has at least two skill feeds with low requirements. Oh, that's right. All right, all right, all right. We believe you, Mark. You got it. But then additionally, there's general feats, skill feats, spells, magic items, new alchemical items like mutagen and bombs. There's more of everything in the APG, and that's what we got. So, awesome. but, but before we move on to anything else, I, I, I want to interject here. Um, you know, when we were designing this game, uh, one of the big points in the, in the design of it was to kind of bring all of the kind of innovations and rule systems from first edition all under the hood, right? To make space in the game for kind of everything to exist. When we did first edition, you know, the APG came out a year after the core rulebook. We had no idea that archetypes were a thing when the when the first edition core rulebook was being put together. We certainly knew that archetypes were a thing when we put together the second edition core rulebook. So building space into the game, into the engine, into the chassis, for not just everything in the advanced player's guide, but for everything in the game mastery guide, for everything in the books to come, was one of our initial goals. Now, eventually, we'll, I'm sure, invent a thing that we're like, oh, we didn't even think of that. But at least for right now, these books are fulfilling the promise of the design, right? You know, we, we kind of really wanted to make a game where archetypes were a native part of the system, kind of built into the chassis, so that when you plugged one into your character, it felt like it was supposed to be there, like it was part of what the game intended. And the APG really pays that off. Um, so I will take a moment to note that this is a Q and A panel, um, but we're we're gonna we're gonna talk first and answer cues later. Um, but if you put your cues into the uh, Twitch chat, um, I am watching you all of you, and uh, I will be pulling out questions for us to tackle as we go. So um, put your questions in there. It's helpful if you can uh, at the the Paizo account so that they show up and we see them. Um, but with that, uh, let's take a look at what's coming down the pipeline. Um, if we can have our next slide, Jason, I'm going to hand it right back to you to talk oh. about the beginner box. So, uh, yeah, Eric stopped by the office yesterday, or the office. <laughs> oh, boy. Here. Everybody. <laughs> That's I've ridiculous, this... Jason. Clearly, you're at Gen Con in Indianapolis. <laughs> Yeah. I've been in this room for so long now. I'm starting to think of it as my office. Um, but he stopped by my place yesterday and handed me one of the first production samples of the beginner box. This um, is really our uh, big attempt to kind of take the game and make it something that you can hand to a brand new player, someone who's never played a role-playing game before, and they get everything they need inside this box to learn how to play. They get dice, they have characters, there's a solo adventure, there's, I mean, to be honest, if you know the first edition beginner box, we didn't change the formula over much. There are some new interesting things in here. There's like some rules reference cards that uh, a cool innovation from the Starfinder beginner box. Uh, we added some action tokens, so you can have some tokens in front of you. That way you remember how many actions you have. There's some fun, innovative things in here, and there's an awful lot packed into this box for just $39.99. 
Uh, this comes out in October. Uh, I think it's October. I think we November. have a deadline. We, November. Is it November? November. Did we yeah. slip to November? Holidays. Right. Holidays. Sure. No, it's holidays. for the holidays. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't speak. Uh, but uh, I'm going to be doing a lot more talking about this, including opening up this box and taking a peek at what's inside in the uh, interview that happens right after this panel. So uh, when we're done with this panel, stay tuned and we'll be investigating what's inside the, the magic box. And so, one quick um, note on that, there yeah. is one significant change from the first edition beginner box, uh, which is if you make a character with the Pathfinder 2 beginner box, <laughs> you can play with a character made with the core rulebook. The rules are fully compatible. And, and thanks for the catch. I totally spaced on that. Yeah, no, we, mm -hmm. unlike, unlike the first edition beginner box where we had to change some elements of the game to make it simpler, we didn't have to do that this time around. We actually designed second edition to make the beginner box a more friendly on-ramp experience. So I'm really excited for folks to get it into their hands. And, you know, I'm sure it'll find its way under a, a many a Christmas tree uh, this late this year. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm seeing, I'm watching you guys all type your uh, questions into chat. This is amazing. You've got such great questions. Um, I should, uh, I should have prefaced this um, with a note that uh, this is not a technical rules FAQ panel. Um, and so we're, we are going to have to, to uh, let your burning rules minutia questions hang out. Um, this is more intended for sort of questions about the product line as a whole. Um, but, you know, throw them in the chat, and if we see enough iterations of the same one, that means it's something we know we need to address, so it's still helpful. We tried uh, to do a rules question panel precisely once. It went so badly, we never did one again. <laughs> if you want to watch 15 minutes of us checking through the books and going yeah. back and forth on things. It's, yeah, it's really it's, boring. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's a really realistic insight into what our jobs are like on a daily <laughs> sure. basis, but yeah. I don't think that's interesting to anyone yeah. other than us. Yeah, that's there's fair. a reason we don't broadcast those. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. I remember during the playtest, people would keep asking rules questions to a designer on the spot with no book. It would always be a hard one that was counterintuitive or they wouldn't have asked. And we would just get it wrong like half the time because it was always a trick question and they didn't have the book. So yeah, let's anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving right along, um, other things that are coming down the pipeline. Uh, if we can go to the next slide, uh, we are in the middle of working on our third bestiary volume. This is going to be the third of three core bestiaries that's intended to kind of round out your uh, your sort of bestiary stock monster stockpile. Uh, our goals in this are to make sure that you have the the tools that you need to run the games that you want to see. Um, so while the first bestiary was kind of a question of how much can we cram into this one book, acknowledging that we couldn't fit everything, and the second bestiary let us sort of expand out, the third bestiary is where we say, okay, let's come full circle and what have we not done yet that, that we really want to make sure any GM, uh, any group has ready at their table. Um, I'm, I've seen a couple of questions about this bestiary that I'll tackle as we go here. Um, the one of them being sort of what's the unofficial theme of this bestiary. Um, we wanted to really tackle um, two things uh, in here. One of them is urban monsters. And you can see that in this cover image um, that you're actually in an urban setting. So we're, we're looking at some creatures um, that, are, that aren't going to be found out in the wilderness, but that are going to be on city streets, that are going to be in your settlements. Um, they're going to help support some of those adventures that aren't necessarily dungeon crawls, but maybe more city crawls. Um, the other thing we're trying to do 
uh, in this bestiary is reach out and bring in a lot of monsters from different types of folklore around the world. Um, and we've worked with a really, really incredible lineup of authors to bring some creatures that you maybe haven't heard of before, um, as well as some favorites uh, that we had in first edition from cultures that weren't typically uh, represented very well in Western European fantasy. Um, so you're going to see a lot of things in here that aren't the the, the same trolls and uh, and uh, Western fantasy tropes. Um, we're going to break outside of that box a little bit. Uh, the last two things that I'm really excited about with this bestiary are, again, two things you can see on the cover right here. Um, one of them is that we are going to be introducing clockworks. Um, so that clockwork dragon is very much a clockwork entity and will have the rules to support clockwork creatures for you. Uh, the other one is that that, uh, that big troop of skeletons is a troop of skeletons. And so we're going to be introducing troop rules so that you can uh, bring larger multi-part combats to your table without murdering your GM or making your players want to hate you. <laughs> so uh, let me hand it back to Logan at this point, because I think the, uh, the really big thing that everyone's excited about with... Uh, with this Gen Con's announcements is the upcoming book that we have coming next, The Secrets of Magic. Uh, Logan is the design lead for that project and I'm gonna let him talk about it. Ah, that's right. Um, yeah, like Liz said, I'm the design lead on this project, which is different from Pathfinder lead designer uh, because we have, we've started kind of a project lead um, set up for our books. So we kind of have like one clearinghouse of information on each team. So Mark was the project lead on Advanced Player's Guide. Liz is the project lead on Best Dairy 3. And I'm the lead on Secrets of Magic. Um, Secrets of Magic is going to be a bit of a departure from kind of how we've done those pillar books, um, the kind of four legs of the table they were talking about earlier, in that it's going to be uh, kind of a, a, a little more um, story focus, a little more role-playing focus. So it's got a bunch of character options, but it's not just solely a character options book. So it, it's going to start out with a chapter that is kind of talking about magic in the world and kind of the philosophy, the metaphysics of magic. It's going to tell you, kind of go into a lot of in-depth information that you can use as a reference, um, you know, for years and years. One of the goals of this book is to kind of be one that it's like maybe you pick it up because you want, you know, hundreds of spells. But uh, even if Pathfinder 2 is gone in 20 years, you might still have this book on your shelf and not want to get rid of it because there's a whole bunch of other interesting information in there. Kind of a book that um, is going to stick with you um, throughout the years. <clears throat> uh, that said, it has a lot of rules in it. It has two new classes, which we're going to be playtesting um, sometime in September. We don't have a, a firm date on that yet. Depends on um, schedules of other books and uh, the amount of work we're doing in the office. Um, but we're going to be playtesting those two classes, the Magus and the Summoner. Uh, it's also got uh, a whole lot of spells, a whole lot of magic items. And then the last chapter of the book is, um, it is a bunch of different kind of offshoots of magic that you might pursue that are kind of given a full kind of lore treatment and rules to use them. Uh, it's going to include things like elemental magic that might let you use a kind of different spell list in order to do elemental spell casting. Things like uh, ley lines and true names, some of those kind of magical things that are a little bit outside the basic rules. But if you want to incorporate them into your game, you can do so using these sections. Um, I think that's the basics of it. I think if people want to know more about it, uh, we can maybe reveal a few things during the Q&A. Um, 
And uh, as far as the classes, you're going to be seeing those fairly soon. I know those are probably kind of the, the hottest topic about this book. Um, they're both kind of uh, pretty close in concept to the Pathfinder 1 versions of Omegas and Summoner, but with some changes to kind of play better under the new rule set. Excellent. Uh, with that, um, we're going to wrap up kind of the preview portion of this panel. Um, so if we can go to our next slide, we can look at some awesome art here while we tackle some uh, questions and answers. Um, I'm going to lead off um, by actually passing it back to Logan for a minute because we've gotten a bunch of questions from the chat about what the Summoner and the Magus are going to look like. Uh, is, how much are you comfortable sort of teasing out what kind of uh, design direction we have there? Uh, I'll, I'll talk about the Magus a little bit. Uh, I, uh, I kind of did the initial design of it. Um, with classes, they tend to kind of pass through everybody's hands in the department. So uh, we've all seen them or uh, are about to see them. Um, and uh, once I talk about the Magus, then I'll kick it over to Mark, who did the initial design on the Summoner. So the Magus uh, is still going to be um, casting spells and doing uh, martial combat stuff. We found that the thing that people enjoyed the most in first edition about the Magus was really kind of doing that, that spell combat, combining their spell and their attack together. So that's kind of the nexus of the class. The, uh, uh, so that's kind of like the main ability they get is to combine those two together. Uh, we went with kind of a, a, a interesting kind of test version of diminished spell casting for them. So they are not a sixth level caster they are a nine level caster, but they don't get as many spells. And you'll see kind of the details on that when the play test drops. Uh, I think that's the, the main information about them. Uh, Mark, do you want to talk about the summoner? Sure. So with the summoner, um, they have a very similar, though spontaneous form of that limited nine level spell casting to give you just a splash of very powerful spells in addition to the fact that they have an Eidolon, which um, if you weren't there for Pathfinder First Edition, the Summoner has this powerful Eidolon that is this creature that is usually from another plane and can't really manifest in the physical world without this conduit and link to the Summoner. And so by working together with their Eidolon, the Summoner has a ton of options. And the Eidolon is no mere minion or animal companion. It is a true partner for the summoner. They, they share a lot of things together and um, they fight together on the battlefield, though there is going to be a first level feat option in the playtest to summon the Eidolon into your own body called Synthesis. And if you want to mostly be playing like some kind of weird Jason's Eidolon has appeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Jason summoning his Eidolon. It's easy uh, to do with like... a snack. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it might have been a primal beast Eidolon to me. So you probably are, are casting primal spells um, if that's your Eidolon, Jason. Yeah, this playtest, like a lot of them, has kind of like a, a subset of Eidolons. Um, so probably not. We'll probably have more in the final book. And the Magus has, you know, uh, quite a few feats and build choices, but maybe we'll have more in the final book as well. Rango is definitely a cult, by the way. <laughs> oh, definitely a cult. Okay, yeah. from 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 beyond. All right, yeah. Enough. <laughs> Rango. Uh, all right. So the uh, I'm I'm going to start going into some questions here. Um, one of them, uh, I, I'm going to kind of do a, a group 
uh, I'm going to address a whole bunch at once. So everybody bear with me. If you have a rules question, where do you put them so that we see them, including things like uh, when you're seeing that classes aren't balanced right or you think that there might be a mistake somewhere, put, go to paizo.com and put them on our message boards. We have rules, questions, threads. We do watch those. Um, and that's where we do a ton of information gathering for uh, when we when we do need to address some rules questions, do FAQs. So we're watching that. That's the best way to get those in front of us. Uh, then um, the uh, the first one of these, but there's been a whole swath of questions um, about future options for existing classes. So things like will witches get future options for more hex cantrips? Um, or for the core classes like fighter and rogue, um, particularly in um, the magic book, but in uh, in other products as well. Um, Logan, since you've got the next big hardcover coming up, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Uh, so what one of the things we're kind of focusing on is putting things in the best place for them. So if we're going to be bringing in like new uh, witch patrons, uh, new oracle uh, uh, curses and that sort of thing, uh, we kind of look at like, where is the best place story-wise to put this? So in the magic book, for example, you're not going to see a chapter that's like, here are four pages of bard feats and here are four pages of cleric feats and here are four pages of druid feats. Instead, there's going to be stuff like the, the, that ley lines, true names, you know, and other kind of subsystem section that's going to have stuff that is thematically important for those, whichever class it goes with. So if we think there's elemental stuff that's going to work really well for the wizard, that'll be back there. If there's elemental stuff we think would be really interesting for a monk, it's going to be back there. Likewise, uh, a lot of this kind of stuff is going to be in like the Lost Omens line or in Adventures, like wherever there's kind of the, the coolest kind of story hook for it, that's where we want to put it. We aren't focusing so much on making sure there's something for literally every class in every book, uh, because that kind of balloons out. And you could see in some of the later first edition books, it's like, oh, oh God, there's just so many archetypes. Uh, so we're kind of being a little more deliberate about how we put those things out to make sure that there's something more than just the rules to hook folks in. There's plenty of context and story around it. So yeah, it I, makes I would I would actually uh, add that you know the the secrets of magic is is you know kind of the first book that's really beyond what we consider the core of the game. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a fun book filled with uh, interesting options for your table, but the books that come after this are kind of like a template you add onto your game, right? So you want to add a whole bunch of expanded, robust magic to your game. Secrets of magic, magic is going to be the book you want to add to your table. But if you're playing like a more middle or low magic setting or campaign or adventure, then maybe that book is one that you don't bring to that table and that's okay. Right. Um, because, you know, in first edition, we kind of ended up with a situation where everybody had 30 books at the game table and that kind of became untenable by the end. Right. It was impossible to kind of keep track of all of that and, you know, have to deal with the interactions of rules from seven different rule books could eventually kind of start wearing on the game engine. So th this is an attempt to address that by giving you books that are more targeted and deeply flavorful. Um, that way, you know, you want to say, oh, I want to have, you know, a book, uh, you know, a campaign that deals more with magic. This is the book you would add. And, and that's also to give you kind of a reason to uh, adding kind of the, the context and the story to it is also a reason to give you to get the book and read the book rather than kind of like, I could just go on archives of Nethys if all I want is the rules section for it. We want to give you something that's really kind of a compelling read. Uh, and feels like a one whole concept realized in a book. 
and and because magic is such a flavorful part of the game it's also why you know we had someone ask in the, in the panel after eric announced this book um whether or not you know secrets of combat would be next and and that's not how this works now um because that 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 implies that we're just going to go straight back to the ultimate combat ultimate magic ultimate you know uh, that's not what this is the name of this book is secrets of magic there will not be a secrets of combat <laughs> So yeah, Jason, one of when, our next when... questions actually builds on that. I'm going to roll us along here. Yeah, sure. Um, Ezekiru asks, um, if we can explain how the non-core bestiaries are going to change things up um, and sort of what our vision for those uh, next monster books is going to be. Um, you know, I don't want to speak too far ahead because I think some of that stuff is still, uh, you know, pencil on a, on a, on a, you know, this strange scribble on a, message board on a on a whiteboard in my office sorry i don't have an office i'm so confused um <laughs> i i but i i i think once you get kind of you know we, we we've got three best series coming out that's a lot of monsters really quickly um to be honest if 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 we were going to do a big book of monsters beyond that i might focus more specifically on a type of monster and give you a deep dive into it and and provide more than just monsters provide other rules and other interesting things to explore we haven't announced anything like that yet. We, we you know, I, I'm, I'm literally just casting my mind forward about cool things we might do in the future. But This is why I know. made Jason answer this question, because that way, if he says things he's not supposed to, he gets in trouble. And not yeah, no. I, let me yeah. check my phone and make sure Eric isn't blowing it up right now. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm fine. OK. Yeah, we'd like to kind of establish those concepts uh, early on before we need to really get into work on them in earnest uh, yeah. so that they can kind of marinate in our brains for a while and see what we come up with when we get to the point where we're actually uh, spinning up the process. Yeah. So uh, yeah. TRD, go ahead. Gorbaz is right. The book would be called Mysteries of Punch Face. Mysteries of Punch Face. That's that's accurate, yeah. Uh, TRDG11 asks, um, the hero point cards having a little extra when used. Um, do we have any teasers we want to give? Oh, no, Eric is in the chat. This is ah! <laughs> uh, one of the hero oh, point no. cards will have Eric Mona's home phone number on it. Ooh. I'll have her request Since how dare any you spoil secrets of oozes. Now it's <laughs> Everything's secrets of now. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that maybe is Sorry, not as much as we're going to say about that right now. I guess uh, is what was the question about the hero point? The hero point cards. Yeah, if yeah. we can uh, do a little teasing about what we have in mind for those. Yeah, I can. I can talk about that for a second. Yeah, spill, uh, spill the beans. So they're they're kind of a, an optional add-on in the same vein as like the critical hit deck or the critical fumble deck, uh, where you will get kind of some new options for hero points uh, that are you know. Not necessarily, you know, a whole ton stronger than hero points, but give kind of an alternate use uh, of how you might use your hero points given these cards. Um, so it's all like, here is some other specific heroic thing you are doing, and here's the special benefit it gives you. Um, I, I don't have any, I don't want to like spoil any specific examples of what those are right now, but that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, if you like hero points and you want to expand on their uses, uh, it'll also probably help you kind of like, uh, storytelling um, options by how you're spending your hero points and narrating what's happening. Awesome. Uh, so I've had several people, Logan, I'm going to keep it with you for just a second. Okay. Um, several different folks in the chat asking about whether um, the Secrets of Magic book is going to give alternate spell systems, particularly to address Vancian magic. Yes. 
That's, I'm so proud of you, Logan. <laughs> that is exactly the answer. I was like, the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. Um, here, so Kemlak has a question after my own heart. Will the FAQ button ever be added to the 2E rules question sub forum? Um, if you go to paizo.com uh, slash pathfinder slash FAQ, uh, just this past week, we've rolled out a new page um, with a shiny new format for handling our um, frequently asked questions and rules updates. Um, that is a continuing rollout process that we're going to continue putting stuff into. And uh, that's going to see further integration throughout the site. So um, yes, we're working on it. Um, we, we know that that's a need and, and it's something that I've been putting a lot of time into because I, I feel passionately that you guys should all have the, the most recent information. Um, let's see here. Um, Rhino, uh, Rhinox Rex asks, are most of the options I think in Secrets of Magic uh, going to be Pathfinder Society compatible options? Most, yes. Uh, I also do want to uh, to quickly note here, like when when we talk about the character options, uh, also don't lose sight of the fact that even if there was like no new witch patron in this book, your witch is going to have just an absolute buttload of new spells to choose from and magic items that she's going to like. So uh, there there's going to be a lot in here for for spellcasting characters and even a little bit of stuff for non spellcasting characters. All right. Um, let me see. I'm not. I'm not doing a great job of crossing off my questions as we go. Um, here's a one of my favorite ones. Piratey Steve asks, "How do you pronounce the area known spelled R A V O U N E L?" Is that really an us question, though? I, sure. So one of the best que- answers I've ever gotten to this question um, was uh, many years ago when Monty Cook Games first came out with the Tolus campaign setting. Um, which starts with P-T-O-L-U-S. Um, and I had a chance to interview him about that. And I was like, how do you pronounce this? Um, and, and he said, it, however you want, it's your game, it's your table. Um, and, and that is just the, such a fantastic uh, approach to RPGs that I have tried to hold on to since then. Um, it, is, it, it is your game. So however you would like to pronounce that new nation um, in the western edges of Avistan, you go. You're not wrong. Um, even in the office, we say things very, very differently. You've heard on this uh, on this very stream that I say Magus and uh, Mark says Magus. I think usually <laughs> um, we pronounce deities different ways. We pronounce countries different ways. Um, so it's it's and, sort of you know it's it's a, a and there's good old Kyra versus Kira. Kyra yep, versus Kira. Nidal one. versus Nadal. Uh, Serenre versus Serenre. It's, it's uh, potato, so, potato. Yeah. As long as you don't pronounce R A V O U N E L Chaliax. Oh good. snap! <laughs> oh no, you're trying to rhyme it for a song. Oh, you should. We should. We should. No. We should chat. Hit me no. up on Twitter, Steve. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so, will we see a, an equipment compendium soon from Techno Trooper Three? Um, I mean, we we we're talking about how we're doing books more like Secrets of Magic. And a book that was just an equipment compendium full of only equipment does not sound like that. But I mean, we're not going to give out exactly what kind of books you're going to see unless they've been announced. Yeah. Uh, yeah there'll be quite a few items in, uh, in Secrets of Magic, but it's not, it's not a full book that's exclusively items. But there's, there's a lot in there. And some new types that should be interesting. 
Calcipic <laughs> uh, has asked, does the magic magus have defined subclasses or is it like the fighter or monk where you're kind of building your own path? Um, with the caveat that it is uh, the playtest version of the, the magus, uh, it does have paths, uh, which are based on your fighting style. So you have kind of a default uh, ability to, to put spells into your weapons so that you can attack with it and discharge the spell. Uh, but really the class is about combining this fighting style that you've chosen with your spells that you put in your spell book and prepare to kind of make your own kind of syncretic uh, uh, synthesis of abilities to define how you fight. So, and the summoner has an really obvious cool. subclass, which is what type of Eidolon do you have? Yeah. Boy, we sure have a lot of questions about Secrets of Magic here. Are we going to be <laughs> adding more focus and domain-specific spells in the Secrets of Magic? I feel like that's a more specific version of the question Logan already answered about, will class, um, you know, will, the, will yeah. class X have options in Secrets of Magic or later books? When it fits the story and the narrative, um, if there's a good place for it, then it will. And if it if there isn't, then it might not. Absolutely. Uh, also, I'm going to encourage people to ask a whole bunch of bestiary three questions because there's a <laughs> that that one's further along than Secrets of Magic. Yeah, we, even, so we, have, more we have more answers about that book. Yeah. <laughs> and we've only we've only spoiled how much so far in the B3 previews. It was the the troops we've already said. Everyone can see that there's two fairies on the front. Um, the because clockworks. all those sweet, sweet skeleton teeth for the grabbing. <laughs> those skeletons right. got to be worried. <laughs> like, what else did we mention? You, you like, have to wonder when that alliance is going to break down. Yeah, and the two fairies are just going to. The Hyakume, I think Logan said last time was going to be in there. Mm, we mentioned yeah. the Sakils and a new um, sort of ancestry esque uh, Medusa called the the Thino. Um, we mentioned last time, but there's a, there's way more monsters than that in, in Vestiary 3 that we can, we can answer about. Veterans of this panel know that we never have that much to talk about for what's coming out at Next Gen Con because it's in flight. Uh, we're, we're in the <laughs> middle of ordering it and getting it pulled together, and we don't want to spoil everything. Yeah. Not yet. And, and we also don't want to be wrong. Because we have to play test it. Yeah. yeah. There's also, like, we might have ordered something, and then we realize... Yeah, we never should have even asked for that. <laughs> and, and just have to cut it entirely. So we don't want to be like, oh, this particular type of item is going to be uh, in the book. And then, oh, well, no, I it's not. I don't know, Logan. I think people are going to be really jazzed about the entire section on cake magic. <laughs> Oddly enough, that's not entirely inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> I had somebody. I had somebody on Thursday ask me if we were going to find a way to squeeze dinosaur fort into this book. Oh yeah, <laughs> dinosaur is, fort is a hot topic. We, we've know, had more questions about up. that one spell than anything else. Uh, and I this saw is another it in one these where, four panels. Yeah, we've had some some internal conversations about this. This also goes to that kind of like where's the best place to put it kind of conversation, because is the best place to put it in Secrets of Magic. Uh, because it's kind of become a meme within the community, is the best place to put it there without all the kind of context of it? Or is it better to do it somewhere where we can like have fun with kind of the backstory of it and talk I'm, about that some? I'm thinking so that this needs its, in, its own book. Like, you know... <laughs> I don't know if, that, if I go that far, the, but like, you know, I could write a blog uh, about how it started, for example, and where it came from initially, and then put it on there or something mi, like mi, that. You know, no, it, no, it's it's you know, uh, mysteries of the the the, the primal past. 
Yeah. And it's just filled with dinosaurs <laughs> and giant monkeys and spiders and dinosaur fort. Yeah. There's <laughs> the multiple kind of kinds of fort. Secrets of dinosaur yeah. fort, of course. James like Jacobs just sat up somewhere. And one that's a fort with dinosaurs in the fort. Yeah. yeah, that's also one of those things where, like, if we were doing an adventure path that featured dinosaurs heaven, heavenly, <laughs> heavenly, if it featured heavenly dinosaurs, you go to the celestial realms. Uh, that's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, that's really on theme. So we might include that in uh, an AP that had dinosaurs, that sort of thing. That's the kind of thing we look at because we're always kind of looking at the, the full game and the full expression of the game and uh, picking where things best live. Yeah. Somehow it didn't fit in Siege of Dinosaurs, though. <laughs> alas it was uh, too high level i think that that book will come out right after secrets of the sneaker verse <laughs> all right so i'm gonna ask, i'm gonna ask one more question of logan for the uh secrets of magic book because this is actually a really good one prince satariel asks will we get some more artifacts like the book of the damned and the shadow staff uh i don't think we currently have any artifacts planned for that book but uh one of the things i'm also doing is for all the freelancers i'm kind of saying hey, here's a theme we want you to do. And then with the rest of your word count, have fun with it. Um, so there might be some freelancers who pitch us artifacts. And if there's something really interesting and compelling in that, they, they might have end up in the book. Uh, but that's not kind of a goal is to include artifacts. Asith asks, how many planers are we likely to see in Bestiary 3? And are we round, planning to round out the devils, demons, daemons, uh, angels, and other uh, outsider families? Uh, Mark, this is kind of in your wheelhouse. You want to talk about this a bit? Sure. So there, um, in addition to the fact that we already mentioned Sock Hills, we're definitely going to see more devils and demons because they're sort of fan favorites. Um, but we also have the Agathions who have not showed up yet in the edition and really should. The um, uh, Nirvana-specific sort of animal-esque um, family from the outer sphere we also have the divs who are um sort of evil former genies who are very mad about being enslaved by humans and want to destroy everything that which was wrought by mortal kind and the uh the asuras who are sort of blasphemies uh of various kinds that are another evil kind as well as just certain ones that are brand new um, families that might be exciting, like the Enocytes, which is an astral family that sort of um, picks up some of the astral creatures that you might recognize, like the the Callborn, for example, but also adds in some brand new members. So it's got some new families. It's got some old families that you um, probably like from before. It's got lots of good stuff. Awesome. Another fantastic um, question from Goldie947 is, do we have any iconic creatures in Bestiary 3? And I think the answer is yes, but I suspect yes is maybe a little bit unsatisfying for this particular question. Iconic creatures as in... Um, uh, as in unique individuals like Tree Razor in uh, Bestiary 1 or the Sandpoint Grindel. Devil in Bestiary 2. Oh, um, yes. The, I saw at least one unique uh, on Friday. Krampus is unique. <laughs> Um, yep. Krampus spoilers, everybody. You you definitely don't want plural of that. The the crampi. <laughs> crampi. <laughs> just Krampuses? run. Just the, run. The regular plural. I don't know. Judy somewhere is like. <laughs> Crampodies, of course. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. uh, and then another really fantastic question is: What are some of the highest level creatures that we have in Bestiary Three? Um, well, I, one of them that I'm there. Krampus is up there. 
Um, there's a couple other really high level ones. Um, we've got a, uh, we are, um, spoilers, we're going to be bringing in the Titans. Um, mm -hmm. So we have four Titans planned for this book. Um, and uh, two of them have already been released in the sixth volume of the Extinction Curse Adventure Path, the uh, Elysian and the one that I've forgotten. Thanatotic. Thanatotic, thank you. Um, and then we're in adding in the Danava Titan and the Hecacontiris into Bestiary 3. Um, and so our buddy Heck is also one of those exceptionally <laughs> high-level uh, monsters that uh, if you would like to put your group against and give them a very bad day, you can do that. Plus the Green Man. I think the between the Hecaton Kyries, the Green Man, and Krampus, those are some of the highest. Sorry, you say Green Man, and I think it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and Charlie and that Green Man. So <laughs> Could be. Very high level. Yeah, no, very <laughs> dangerous. Very high level. Right? Very drunk. <laughs> uh, do they actually have 100 hands? I mean, why, uh, why we, wouldn't they? Yeah, and have for the two actions, yet, they so can slap you with all sure. of them. Yeah. The 100 dice rolls does slow down play, but it is worth it. <laughs> Design design questions. Do we literally have people roll a hundred dice for the thematics of it? Yeah, you can only do that once though. Because <laughs> then your players Rolls, quit. Yeah. Just gone. They go for to damage. lunch for every hand so. Uh, so a number of you have asked about troop rules. Uh, and if we can sort of showcase a bit about how troops are going to work in second edition. And uh without getting into the, the mechanical nitty-gritty of it, our goals for troops are to make it so that you can have a big mob of people. Uh, that your PCs can engage with quickly and easily without bogging down the gameplay. Uh, and so we took a page from uh, the way swarms work, um, where you've got sort of, you're treating this group of creatures as one pool of hit points and resources, um, but we've tweaked it a little bit so that you can represent the fact that you can carve down a, sw a troop and as, as, as it loses members, it becomes smaller and you can eventually, you know, take down enough members that it just breaks up and runs away. Um, uh, any other pieces of that from people who've been working on them that uh, that we want to throw out there? I think that's basically it. Just that first edition troop rules were pretty much swarm, and it worked um, pretty smoothly at the table. But it sometimes led to a narrative experience that was a little weird, where you stabbed a dagger at a hundred people and then all of them fell over or something like that. So it's um it's trying a little bit more, like Liz said, to give you the real feel that you are fighting all of these people working together, all these monsters working together while still making it much simpler than like what Jason said. Oh, we'll just throw a hundred guys on the table and roll all of them into initiative. Yeah. <laughs> that hundred die rolls is actually something we really don't <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, JL Collins is asking if Bestiary 3 plans to expand monstrous cultures to allow for more nuance in adventuring to encourage game masters to present non-combat solutions during encounters. Uh, and I, I want to hand this off to someone who actually did more design work on this particular monster, but I think the uh, Kuchisake Ona is probably a Bestiary 3 monster that kind of uh, handles this concept most directly. Uh, uh, so which I, I think did maybe the, Mark, the D1 that's pass you. on that. Yeah. So um, the, uh, the Kuchisakeona is a sort of the legend of the slit mouth woman from, uh, from Japan who has a very particular way that, uh, that she tries to give you this 
unanswerable question in the Japanese uh, myth. And we've taken our own um, little tweak on that with some great freelance um, work on it. And the Kuchisake Ona is still going to come at you with that same sort of legend uh, the same way. And you can try to get out of it in some of the same ways that people got out of it from the legend. It's still likely to lead to, to combat in that case. So if the question was more about what if you want to like diplomacy them, uh, that's not really going to be something you probably do with the Kuchisake Ona. But there are some more non-combat ways to get away that match the legend. Um, and that's an idea that we are trying to carry across the bestiary of, of um, representing a lot of creatures in the context that they are imagined so that they aren't just stat blocks of pools of hit points to hack away at. Um, let's see here. So I, I have seen throughout this entire Q&A panel um, uh, repeated questions of when are we going to see firearms and gunslingers? Uh, Jason, I'm going to hand this one to you so that you can be the one Erica gets mad at. Let me roll <laughs> my diplomacy check. Now, uh, so, you know, uh, we've been getting some questions about it all weekend. And, and really, since we announced second edition, some of the first questions we got was, so when are firearms going to be in the game? Uh, because we understand that a lot of folks, uh, for them, that's an integral part of their, their fantasy game, and we haven't provided any rules for it yet. Um, I would say that just like with, with you know, magic, firearms are a thing that you either want to add to your game or you don't. Um, so it really does make a, a good bedrock piece for this new format of book. That said, we're not announcing any that have firearms in it right at this moment, but I would say that it's very high on our list of things that we are considering. Um, because we know that folks really enjoy the gunslinger, um, that firearm rules are, uh, for many, an integral part of the Pathfinder experience. So, you know, we're going to give it to you as soon as we can responsibly do so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of it. Um, I think, you know, we're still trying to kind of internally suss out how guns even work in second edition. There were obviously some fun ways to use them in first that maybe don't work as well in second edition. So we need to figure it out. Um, and we got rid of touch AC, so we can't do that. Anymore. Well, exactly. That's <laughs> kind of what I was referring Womp. to. So, but you know, we do have some other interesting, you know, uh, weapon traits like fatal and whatnot that might make for interesting additions to firearms. I don't know what direction we're going to take yet. I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, gaze too far into the future, but I would say that it's something we're, we're, we're very much considering and, uh, I would expect you to hear some news about that from us soon. Awesome. Uh, so I have a handful of questions here that I'm going to throw at us as a speed round. Um, and so the answers I'm, I'm hoping for are yes, no, or we don't know. Uh, Crazy <laughs> Sitch 519 says, will the bestiary have any new lineage feats for the versatile heritages just released in the APG? Mark? No. No player options. Ninja DeCobalt says, can we list the ancestries in the Lost Omens Ancestry Guide? Logan? Not off the top of my head, no. I know uh, what they are, but we can't, we can't because that's not our... our yeah, Mark, not. yes or no? <laughs> no, we can't. The answer is we no. <laughs> uh, have we thought about troops' pawns? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy. You just get 20 of the regular pawns and just put that's them in That's not a, a yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> Zombie Musing says, will there be battle cards for bestiaries two and three? Jason. Yes. Excellent. Two already has them. Yeah, I think two's already out. Uh, is it really? I know I know or, it's, it's, it's I don't in think flight. It's, you know what? It's not out. We've sent it to the printer. I, oh, okay. It's coming. It's, it's coming. Somewhere. <laughs> I, think, I think actually that, that got delayed because of COVID, oh, to be honest. Oh, that's why. Yeah. 
Yeah, usually it boils down to, are we still working on it? And if not, then it's like, oh, it's done. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> Eventually it shows up at my, oh, I was about to say my desk again, and I gave myself a sad. Oh man! <laughs> All right, one more, uh, two more speed, uh, speed questions. Round one, gaming. Will Perry be in a book anytime soon? Uh, P E R I. Yes. The, um... I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah. They are in. Best like, we have three. plenty of parrying yes. feats already. Yeah, they are in best three three. So yes. Uh, will there be spell cards for books such as Gods and Magic? Liz. Uh, That's one for you. It, yeah, they, not immediately. Um, there uh, are spell cards for the Advanced Player's Guide coming, but there, I've seen a lot of people asking about those spell cards for other products. So keep saying that and maybe you'll make it happen. Yeah, we, we have to find a way to make it work. That's because it's not as many. So yeah, it's it'd be a little a really, harder for us to... It'd be like to, a magic expansion yeah, pack. Yeah, I, I don't think we've got the right form factor for it yet. So I, mean, I know six... folks want it. I don't know. We'll see how they sell for you know the Advanced Player's Guide and... That'll help make our decision for us. Secrets of Magic is probably going to have a lot of spells. A lot of spells. So, so I, I, yeah. I think it's safe to expect a spell deck for that as well. Yeah. Right. We, yeah, we can't really say anything until we know how the first one's sold and whether they're a viable product and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. uh, All right. So we are coming up on the end of this panel. So it seems like a good time for us to kind of wrap things up here. Uh, again, I am Liz Liddell. I'm the newest member of the design team. I'm on Twitter at LizMayTweet. Uh, and I would love to hear all of your stories about uh, what you're looking forward to, how you're using our games, and I would love to hear about your character. So to bring me your stories. Logan. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Logan Bonner. And uh, I sometimes talk about Pathfinder on there and sometimes just retweet dumb memes, mostly. <laughs> uh, Mark, you want to tell people how to get a hold of you? Sure. I'm Mark Seifter, as it says there, design manager. And I'm at Mark Seifter, just my first name, last name on Twitter. But you can also check me out on Twitch at um, twitch.tv slash arcanemark, where um, on Tuesdays and Saturday we do, um, with Linda Zeiss Palmer, a variety show, and on Thursdays some interviews. And Jason. Hi there, everybody. I'm Jason Bullman. I'm the director of game design at Paizo. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, just about everywhere at backslash Jason Bullman. That's J-A-S-O-N-B-U-L-M-A-H-N. Uh, that H likes to move around on me. Uh, <laughs> you can also uh, hear more from me here starting in just a minute or two uh, as I am in the very next panel uh, giving an interview and talking about the beginner box. And I also want to remind folks that uh, you can also find me later on this evening at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, playing with uh, my esteemed boss, Eric Mona, and those crazy cats from the Glass Cannon Network. We are going to be playing some Thunder Company live here on this channel. Uh, I think we're also on the Gen Con main stage, or one of the stages. I forget which one. Uh, but we're going to be playing for a few hours some Pathfinder 2nd Edition tonight. So I hope you uh, tune in for that. So right now, uh, just a couple last reminders, the Advanced Player's Guide is out right now. And if you already have it, um, keep your eyes on paizo.com for announcements about the Secrets of Magic playtest. If you haven't gotten into Pathfinder 2nd Edition yet, it is an absolutely great time. Uh, we are running a humble bundle that lets you get a whole bunch of 2nd Edition rule books for uh, real cheap. And the proceeds are going to some fantastic charities uh, and at the $30 point, you do get a print core rulebook. So that is real rad. Go check that out if you haven't already. I want to say thanks. Although I would note that it is backordered right now. Yeah. But, but yeah. it's coming. 
It is coming. We bought yes. them all. All of them. <laughs> uh, I want to give thanks to our team at No Direction for helping host these uh, these streams for us. They have been fantastic collaborators and really wonderful people. And a special call out to our social media guru, Peyton, um, who has been running on all cylinders throughout this entire convention. Um, you know, give some props to these guys because they are doing fantastic work behind the scenes. Thank you, everyone who's been watching and listening and asking your questions. It's always great to hear from you. And uh, I hope we continue to hear from you in the future. Game on. The No Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the KDCon team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunas, Monica Marlowe, Vanessa Hoskins, Dustin Knight, and Andrew Sturtevant. For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPG news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out nodirectionpodcast.com.